Well, episode 461. Is that right? It is. I don't know. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> Maybe it's 462? Isn't it? You know, it's entirely possible I did a typo. So why don't we come back to that? Yeah. It's, uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't you jump into introducing our guest, and then I will check the number. You check the number. I want to introduce our guest, uh, mm-hmm. who I just did an episode of Aggressive Progressives with a week ago. She has her own show on YouTube. She's another one of the uh, wingbird lefty socialist uh, <laughs> crowd that I'm running around with now. Uh, from the Kim Iverson show, Kim Iverson. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having Graham's me. Graham's got a whole yeah. new set of friends. Yeah, so. I just, Huh? It's 462. I knew it. I know. I know when we're halfway to something. Does that mean you guys have been doing this for 462 weeks? No, it's probably longer. Yeah. Longer than that? Because we have spoiler apps and live episodes. We've been doing this for nine and a half years. It'll be 10 years years in December. That's a long time. I feel a lot of pressure now. By the way, the app is still updating. (laughs) I still don't have the number. I'm glad Aaron checked. (laughs) Go to iTunes. Yeah. I don't know why we even use this app anymore. Um, so Kim, uh, let's let's talk about your um, well. There's an interview on Political Vigilante where Kim goes into grave detail uh, of how she became an independent journalist. But mm-hmm. um, let pe- some people might know you without like tell us your history of being doing radio and all that. Yeah, well, I'm a I've always been a radio talk show host. So um, I started doing that in right out of college. Basically, I did an internship from college and then. Got into broadcasting and did it. So a- you know how to say, like, traffic on the nines and stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where did yeah, you exactly. start? What city? I started in Sacramento. Okay. Yeah, so I was on an alternative rock station there. Mm-hmm. And then from there, moved to New York and did television in New York. So that's where I did do traffic and weather on a <laughs> cable news station there. And uh, VJ'd, actually, on a, on a music television station. Oh, cool. And then I went back to radio and moved to Indiana Lafayette, Indiana. If you've ever been there, it's where Purdue is. Yep, my so, brother went to university. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah that, that was. You know, I love pretty much everywhere I've ever lived except Lafayette, <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was it was pretty. Uh, the only time I ever drank in high school was at a college party when I went to visit my brother. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that because they're they're very relaxed over there in Indiana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though Mike Pence comes from Indiana, you think that they'd all be really stiff. They're not actually. They're quite mm-hmm. loose when it comes to. Partying. Right. Yeah. So Being gay, they got to electrocute that yeah, out of you. Yeah, right. But drinking, you can do. <laughs> no problem. When you're 12. As long as your parents are handing you the beer. Um, yeah, so I did radio there and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, did morning shows, morning talk shows, kind of like uh, on CHR, which is like Kiss FM style. Mm-hmm. And then did the same thing in Champaign, Illinois. Then I moved to Austin, Texas. And, yeah, it's the life of a broadcaster, right? We're Always collecting. Moving. Yeah, collecting All these college signs. towns. Um, yeah, I guess they, yeah, right. Austin does have a big college scene. U of um, I is in Champaign. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had a syndicated show that was broadcast in like 25 cities at night. So it was Monday through Friday, five hours a night. Did that for many years and then was picked up by iHeartRadio and moved out here to LA. Well, New York or LA, but I chose LA because the weather is way better. <laughs> and my family's here. So moved out here. Um, that was maybe five or six years ago, did a syndicated show for iHeart. So I was on 25 cities for them, um, also Monday through Friday, doing a talk show. Basically, Love Line for women. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with Love Line, um, it was basically exactly like that. People would call in and ask me questions about their love life, <laughs> and then I would give them my honest opinion, which was usually dump them. <laughs> <laughs> that was your go-to? I'm like, look, at this point, if you're calling into a radio show for relationship advice, you're in a 
you're in a pretty bad relationship. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there's nobody like, I have this really healthy relationship. Yeah. I'm going to call radio. Right, right. Love line, it's right. always like, she's a stripper. It's never going to work out. And right. yours was always just like, he's probably mm. cheating on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a lot of guys that would call in. They'd be like, Kim, is my girlfriend cheating on me? And then they would give me the scenario and I'd be like, yeah, I'm sorry to break it to you. Yeah, she absolutely Yeah, is. she's cheating yeah. on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did that for a long time. And then I left that a couple of years ago and went into independent media, wanted to get more into digital um, because that's the future, I think. So, mm-hmm. and the the future is here, right? Um, How many of your radio fans do you think have come over to you since you're 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 none none? But <laughs> <laughs> your subscription level went wait you jumped quick. Yeah, but you know my my radio fans, you know because I am on the left, progressive. Mm-hmm. My radio fans were all conservatives. Yeah, big time Trump supporting conservatives. And I know this because my Facebook fan page. Like the fans of the. From my radio. Yeah, from all my radio shows that I had done throughout the years. Conservatives like dating shows. Well, yeah, I think so. It's like, who else are they going to ask about sex when they can't ask their friends because then they'd be shunned, right? So they call me instead anonymously. Well, my radio show broadcast in the middle of America pretty much because I was in a total of 50 different cities across the country and they were cities like, um, gosh, if I, you know, all the other 50 cities except for the big ones. So, I mean, I did have some big cities like Chicago and San Francisco and Seattle, but, you know, when you're when really in radio, you're getting more small towns than you're getting right. large cities, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, they were a lot of conservatives, it turned out. And when I did, the, when I made the switch, it was obvious because my Facebook fan page, whenever I'd post anything political, I would get eviscerated by my fans. I mean, they'd mm-hmm. be like, ah, go back to talking about relationships, Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I would lose fans. I mean, I lost on my Facebook fan page probably 30,000 people. <gasps> wow. Yeah, and I only had 35,000 fans. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how that do you... That was a culling. But yeah. y- you, you've, you've only been doing your YouTube show since, what, January? February, De- um, December? This Thursday will be the three-month mark. And you're at how many subscribers? I'm at 47,000 right now, so I'll hit 50,000 this weekend. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's a quick jump. I yeah, took, it took me two fast. years to get 17,000, 18,000. Mm-hmm. What do you think has, is the reason... Um, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I really don't know. I really don't know. Neither um, does YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't know. And they bury a lot of my content. Yeah. You know, they, they definitely shadow ban me and demonetize mm. me all the time because I talk a lot about war and terrorism mm. and stuff like that, and they don't like any of that. So um, I don't really know how why. I, maybe timing. You know, maybe mm. if I'd gotten in a year ago, it would take me a, a year to get to this point because... Mm. You know, I think right now people are just hot for a different take, mm-hmm. you know, and different content. Um, I mean, I'm sure it helps that I come out of a real broadcasting sure. background. So, you know, I try to make it as professional as mm-hmm. possible. And maybe that helps. I don't know. Performance skills helps. Yeah. yeah I started my show at a kitchen table talking re- with horrible light and sound. I wonder if <laughs> yeah. that, that might have helped. You know, that's, um, that's production quality. But you still had a lot of performance experience yes. before that. I was good at performing, talking yeah. into my yeah. iPhone. Just not buying lights. So that's, you know, but that, but that you can learn. You don't need 20 years of experience to learn how to buy a I light. I know that it was an educational thing. It's more of a financial <laughs> yeah. thing, Chris. You know what this show makes. Yes, I do. <laughs> You'd be surprised at how hard it is actually to buy lights. Not not financially, but just actually researching and finding the right ones. Yeah, it's right. hard. I bought so many, and yeah. I had to return so many because yeah. they all ended up looking green. They mm-hmm. kind of cast a weird green light. And some or, burn hotter too than others. Yeah, and all that stuff. 
Yeah, it was All actually right. harder. Speaking of lights, let's talk about some movies. Wow, okay. nice transition, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Wow, smooth. Uh, so I'm trying to get it going. So good, buddy. Yeah. So good. Chris with traffic on the I nines. Mean, it threw me off with the typo already. I would have already had it going. I was like still stuck on 461 in a, in a spiraling app. So, <laughs> But now we're, we're back on track. Um, so let's talk about Shazam. Now, you guys saw Shazam, and uh, I didn't get a chance to see it. My family all wants to see it. We're going to see it this weekend. So um, how did you guys like it? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Tell us why. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was just different for a superhero movie. So I felt like, um, well, I, no, I take that back. I guess it was, in my mind, I, you know, I, I love superhero movies. They're my favorite. My absolute, go to the Marvel ones and all, all of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My all-time favorite movie are the X-Men series. Mm-hmm. Like, I absolutely all-time favorite. I don't judge mm-hmm. me. Um, <laughs> so I love, I love superhero movies. I, I liked this one. I just felt like it was a little different in that it was more comical. I guess kind of like... Uh, what was the other one that was like that? That was really um, like it was just so bizarre for a you know Deadpool. The, yes, mm-hmm. where it was so different for what you would expect mm-hmm. in a superhero movie. I felt like Shazam was kind of like that, and I just thought it was so cute and it was so heartwarming. I felt I did like the aspect I, overall. I liked it too, and I was oh, a little good. surprised because I, I must say the trailer probably didn't do it justice. Did not, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, and I loved all the big. Neil ref- said the same thing. He liked it too, and he's like, you know, it's not like the trailer. It's not, yeah. and they and that's that like they. They did the movie a little bit of a d- disservice by ma- the, the trailer that they put out. Mm. But they, they, I was like, oh, this is like big. And then they made a flat out big reference, reference <laughs> um, which I won't mention. But Yes, they did. I, I, mm-hmm. I noticed that. I like that. And, um, you know, the lead was good. And, and uh, you know, the, the, it was a good, it was a good uh, you know, uh, origin story. Of a character that we don't know that well, like everyone. I mean, I remember watching the Shazam TV series when I was a kid. The Shazam and ISIS Power Hour. Yes, I do remember the Shazam <laughs> and ISIS Power Hour. Um, so the superhero travels around in the RV. Yeah. Is that is that the one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like the Griswolds with superpowers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I, I I I did like a lot about it. I mean. I Trying was, to have a secret identity, but the logo's on the truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that issue. I was wondering, going into this movie, I was like, am I getting, we've, we've talked about this, like, am I getting cape fatigue? Am I just kind right. of over the superhero movies? As much as I love them and as much as I love comic books, am I like, and I was starting to be like, all right, here we go. Who's the bad? You know, like, and I yeah, was, yeah. And, but, another but, origin story, another thing. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have this guy with a thing and a thing and a big mm-hmm. fight. And a, but I, it was, I had fun. I had a lot of fun at the theater, which it, then it did its job. I'd For never sure. known anything about Shazam at all. Like mm-hmm. I went into this completely blind. Mm-hmm. I'd, I didn't see a trailer. I had no, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know that mm-hmm. this was a comic at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I literally knew nothing about this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love superhero movies and comic movies, but not, um, I, I've never been like I don't know anything about you know the I was never reading these comic books or whatever. So you didn't grow up reading comic no, books. No, 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 and I didn't know anything about who any of the characters were or anything like that. I just like going to the. I just like that style of movie. Well, Shazam is a unique character where it's literally it's a what a ten year old boy who is actually Shazam, right? Because he you know changes. And th- that was I I I I really liked how they handled that and the foster kid dynamic. Mm-hmm. And the foster family and all of that. It was really, you know, and that was what really made sense with using some of the big references. Um, and, 
you know, the interacting with the kids at school and I won't, I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers, but the ending is a, like any good origin story, the movie ends with a, oh, here's where it's probably going to go. Like mm -hmm. the end of Batman begins when right. he, when he goes, oh, some guy's leaving these Joker cards around right. and mm -hmm. I jumped out of my chair when I saw that. <laughs> so when you say origins movie, like what do you, is this, is this somebody that we know or is this a movie that's already been made and this was like a, a, a backstory to a movie that's already been well, made? Well, an origin movie usually just shows how the superhero becomes the superhero. Right, but like with Wolverine, mm. for example. Right. So I'd already seen Wolverine in several other movies before we got his origin story. Right. So is this like that? Or is, is there a movie where these characters already exist? Well, no. this, this was the origin story. You could see that. In this the was the origin story. Yeah. But and it's also the first one they're making, introducing yes. these characters. Yeah. Yes. And, okay. and sometimes they... Uh, you know, I'd say most of the time the first superhero movie is an origin story, but not always. Every once in a while, um, it isn't like that. So again, they haven't, to my knowledge, there hasn't been any Shazam movie. The only Shazam thing I can remember is that TV series from the 70s. There's, I mean, there's there's other little things, not much. There's like a Shazam you know, short DC animated movie with Superman, but it's like, it's a short, it's like 15 minutes long. Right. But there's, um, as far as feature length or, uh, um, you know, big TV series or anything like that, no, no, this is this is it. Although I, I'm reminded of, uh, um, do you remember that animated show, Young Justice, where it kind of centered on Robin and all the other younger heroes, but then yes. the Justice League was also involved. They There was a hilarious um, meeting of the Justice League where Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, they're all talking about how people get into the Justice League, they're going, well, what about experience? And what about, like, age? And, like, well, you know, technically Shazam's 10. Is he allowed in the Justice League? Is he, because he's only 10. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's all these crazy things that they uh, they talk about. But one of the things that I always liked about Shazam was that uh, some people knew it was Billy Batson, that he was a 10-year-old, but then there was a lot of people that didn't. They just thought he was an adult. So I, I thought that was always a fun thing to kind of play with with the character. Well, it had an $80 million budget, and it's done uh, about $160 million worldwide, so it's doing quite well. And $80 million for a superhero movie is low. Yes. Anything under mm -hmm. $150 million mm -hmm. is a low budget, mm -hmm. so they, they did a lot with it. And, it, and They probably looked at it like, well, you know, Deadpool can make a lot of money in that budget range. Why don't we, uh, why don't we try that? Mm -hmm. And also, I wonder if there was a conversation of like, well, this isn't... And Justice they reference League well, or, yeah, yeah. It, it isn't Batman or Superman, which mm. are DC's two, you know, right. big characters. And so, like, should we risk spending 150, 200 million on this thing that right. might not do well? But it's I mean, they spend it on Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> they did they, that, a lot of that money. But even I would even Aquaman. say Aquaman is more well known than it, for sure. Than for Shazam. sure, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's you know, I don't know how DC and Marvel um, edit their tiers of heroes, but you could definitely put Aquaman above Shazam as far mm -hmm. as uh, you know who who knows you know the notoriety of each hero. And I wouldn't have cast Zachary Levy in this, but I thought he did a great job. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I did. I felt like he it was a little off. A little off on the casting. Ah, yeah. I, I I did feel like this is a little weird. I mean, I liked the movie. I liked all the other characters. I did feel like that one particular casting was slightly strange. Well, and I was looking him up. Like, how do I do? I know this guy from somewhere. I, I will say the um, the trailer didn't do him any favors on the casting because it like really seemed like out of place from those shots from the trailer. But from what I hear and from what you've said and from what Neil said, that like it actually gels and it as the movie progresses, it it makes sense. Well, he does a good job of 
in the way Tom Hanks did a good job of big of being an adult acting like a kid. Right. Yeah, but I didn't feel like he acted like the kid. Oh, what oh was, interesting. Where did you find, like, what was the, where, in what places did you feel like it didn't? I just felt like his, the adult version just didn't at all seem at all like the kid version. Like, their personalities weren't at all the same. Their attitudes weren't at all the same. Like, the adult seemed way happier, way more jovial. The young one seemed way more cynical, uh, way more like he had a chip on his shoulder. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why wouldn't that have carried to the adult version? So that was like the only thing that I, I felt like there was a big disconnect there, that the kid just transformed and really transformed. And it was just like a totally different person with a completely different personality. That was the, the one big criticism, criticism I'd have for the film. I think I, I, I didn't stick out. That didn't stick out for me because I was like, well, when I was 13, if I would have suddenly been able to be a superhero, all of my... Uh, dark neuroses would have gone away <laughs> but then they would have gone away when you flip back to being the kid too because you're like oh my gosh like i can i can just switch and become this awesome superhero so life is amazing that's a great but point. it wasn't really like that he just went back to being like the kid that's a great point now um originally this movie was supposed to have shazam and black adam who is shazam's uh, nemesis but once the rock got cast they kind of asked him do you want to play shazam or black adam and uh, he said black adam like all right well We'll give you your own movie then. So the villain is actually going to get his own Uh, movie. Um, Black Adam is like, as soon as The Rock uh, got cast, they're like, it's another property. We're going to, and then, you know, they're probably building up to like, Shazam gets his origin story, Black Adam gets his origin story, then the third movie will be them uh clashing. I would think, you know, from a financial perspective, that's got to be what they're thinking as a studio. (laughs) Because they can milk it as far as they they can. Now, uh, I did read that Mark Henry Cavill was in talks to reprise his role as Superman for a cameo, but was unable to do to scheduling conflicts with Mission Impossible. Um, was there a su- another superhero cameo? Without giving it away, was there a cameo by another superhero? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> During the credits, there was... Okay. So I'll be, I'm curious to see, because I know they try <laughs> to do that for sure. Um, but now... What I also read, and I think this is so smart, is that DC realized that they don't need to interconnect everything to like Zack Snyder's vision of the original um, um, Batman, Superman, all mm-hmm. of those horrible movies. And now they're less concerned with connecting them all. Like, and they, they're standing on their own, and they should be. And it turns out, guess what? They're better movies. Well, they're doing the thing they learned from Marvel. Marvel mm-hmm. lets each director take that story and that vision and that character their way. Right. Without completely abandoning the Marvel universe. Right. And I thought they did, the, and the, the other thing too, this movie did a good job. And again, it's it's David F. Sandberg, who's been on this show. Um, mm-hmm. And they let, because this is, they, they created this almost this Shazam universe all mm-hmm. on its own within the DC universe. I mean, they make mentions of, of obviously right. the DC characters, but they really, especially the ending of the movie is very much like, here's the Shazam universe. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is going to bring up a bunch more Shazam movies. Yeah. Well, that's what I felt like. They could make now 10 more movies off of this one movie. Uh-huh. Well, then why don't, uh, why don't we do a spoiler next week, Graham? Oh, uh, uh, you're going to throw down spoiler. a spoiler gauntlet on I me? I think we should. I think we should do All one. All right, I'm in. We'll All get right. into the whole dance. <laughs> nice. The whole spoiler <laughs> dance. 
So, all right. So, uh, next movie. Uh, I saw Pet Cemetery over the weekend with my, as did Kim. Yes, yep. with my fourteen-year-old daughter who was dying to see it. She couldn't wait. Uh, she's a big horror fan. Uh, I have to regulate. <laughs> that, that is exact, your daughter. Yes, I have to regulate which ones she can see and which ones she can't yet. But the good thing is, I kind of know what most what's in most of them, so I'm able to make those uh, choices pretty easily. Pet Cemetery. Um, this is a remake, obviously. Um, let's get this out of the way right away. The first movie, not that great. So when we, we look at... Christ like, on his yeah. throne, no! <laughs> so when we look at... I, I, I'm looking at, like, God, there was a whole era of bad Stephen King movies, like in the 80s. And uh, it was like one after that. I'm like, oh, there's, there's awful. These it was movies. almost like a competition between yeah. directors in Hollywood to see who could misinterpret his writing <laughs> Yes, <more>. exactly. <laughs> oh, Pet Cemetery. wait till you see Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Oh, how about Silver Bullet? Yeah. Check that out. The first Pet Cemetery scared me to death. I mean, I was mm-hmm. like nine when it came out, and I watched it with my older siblings. That's the, right. the downside of being the youngest in the family is that you get exposed to stuff way too young. Yes. yes. Yeah. And my older sibling is 11 years older than me, so mm-hmm. she was, you know, like... Well, 20. to be fair, I think any horror movie you see at nine might scare you to death. Yes, yeah, so it was extremely <laughs> yeah. scary to me. Mm-hmm. So my memory before going into this one was mm-hmm. um, the first one scared me to death. Right. I was really reluctant to even watch this one because the first mm-hmm. one gave me nightmare, you know, even right. to this day. <laughs> I still have nightmares from the first one. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should go back and watch it and then I would have less nightmares if I watched the first. It's kind of like the Freddy Krueger movies. I used to be so frightened by those movies. Right. And then... Um, a few years ago, a friend was like, no, we just have to sit down and watch them again because yeah. then you'll get over it, right? Yeah. And they're yeah. cartoonish. Now. Yeah, now yeah. they're just like, Believe it's me. hilarious. You can slay yeah. that retro dragon pretty easily. <laughs> just watch it again. Okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. Um, so this movie has a great setup. It really does. It's creepy. It's unsettling. It sets up this world of like, you know, there's a pet cemetery. There's creepy kids burying a dog at the beginning. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So we know where this is going, and we know John that Lithgow is a great Lithgow. weirdo yeah, creep he, neighbor. He, he really is. He's a great weirdo mm-hmm. creep neighbor. And uh, eventually, we're like, all right, there's this weird wall of like trees that the ancient, you know, that the Indians like cordoned off. Or like, well, there's something evil beyond there. And then that's where the actual pet cemetery is. So then, when they, you know, when they bury the cat, and the cat comes back, the it really starts ratcheting it up the creepiness really nicely. But you know the the thing that really sells it is the acting. Like Jason Clark does an amazing job. Um, Amy Siemens, is that how you pronounce her name? Simons? Simons, Simons maybe. Uh, and uh, John Lithgow, they all do a really good job. I mean, the kids do a really good job too, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's the adults. And here's here's the key to a, a successful horror movie. And I remember um, you know a casting director telling me this. And he said, look, you know, if you treat the horror movie like a drama and cast it like a drama with actual people who can act, it sells the unbelievable all that more. And he's absolutely right. Because now, because you have solid actors in this movie, it grounds it in the performances where it makes it much more interesting. We talk about that all the time in in, uh, just about every genre. Right. Mm -hmm. Make it believable, or especially science fiction, we talk about this, or Mm -hmm. fantasy. If you, the, the most interesting ones are where you as the audience are going, wow, I wonder how actual people would react if this was happening. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like a monster movie or right. some mm-hmm. uh, post-apocalyptic thing. You always mm-hmm. go, how would actual people? And yes. that's done by what you're talking yep. about. Mm-hmm. And it does this great setup of like, this family is kind of haunted by death. 
in a way. You know, there's a you doctor think? who wants to, <laughs> uh, but, but like before they got there, mm-hmm. that, that was kind of like a nice setup. Like, you know, the, the wife, you know, had a, a sister who died from a horrible disease. And then uh, you have the father, and this is, these aren't spoilers. This is still in the beginning of the movie. And the father who's like the, the doctor who wanted to leave the ER and slow down because he's seen too much death and you know mm-hmm. horror and then uh um as it progresses there then there's talks about the afterlife and one of the parents believes in it and one of them doesn't so you have all this setup of like um you know death not only haunting this family but also it's a, it's a topic of controversy with the family oh. which also really makes it interesting mm-hmm. um so when shit starts to go crazy it like becomes all that more believable and we go that way all the way until the end and then the movie completely goes off the rails. <laughs> um, and it abandons everything it was setting up. <laughs> and I'm looking at this movie and, you know, I turn to my daughter and she's like, you know, I liked it all the way up until the end. I'm like, me too. That's the, it was so stupid. And, so we're, and it felt like it didn't even match the rest of the movie. And then I checked my trivia and the research. And sure enough. There were multiple different versions of the ending. They were written, and a couple of them were shot. And then what they did is they focus grouped them with test audiences. Oh, Mistake <laughs> ever. We screened them for people, and it just seemed like the audience really responded to that one. And even Stephen King proposed an alternate ending that was not used. So, oh, gosh. So here's the thing. The whole point of telling a story, just going back to it, doesn't matter if it's a movie, a novel, a short story, any type of storytelling. Never ask a focus group. Yeah, yeah. A, a, never <laughs> a ask a focus group. people right out of a but, methadone clinic. You know, a, a well-crafted story has a beginning, middle, and end that all connect and relate to each other. So the things that you're setting up, that's why a really satisfying story um, you can look back to the beginning, like the beginning and the middle, and realize, oh, all that was set up, and this payoff is extra um, meaningful because all of these uh, um, seeds were planted, and now you know they bloom at the end in the third act. That's not what happened here. The third act here was from a different movie. So, uh, and I'll tell you, I really kind of want to do a spoiler up on this one for sure. Even if it's just me ranting into the microphone for 10 minutes as a separate episode, because it got me crazy because it's everything that is wrong about big Hollywood studio filmmaking. Maybe we'll just make that the Patreon bonus audio as you yelling about this. That is a great idea. I'm doing it for sure. All right, done. (laughs) And you get it at the $5 level. So, uh, so, and it's going to be at least $5. Five minutes long because I've got a lot I want to add. But one of the things that made me crazy was that it felt so arbitrary. And as soon as I read this, I'm like, oh, of course that's what happened because they're not trusting the story. And it's not like, oh, you have a best-selling book to go back to that you could you could possibly reference and, and get you know all of the tone and material or never an use the that, source material yeah, or an author that you could call. Uh, <laughs> and ask uh, because you know with Stephen King adaptations no matter how bad the movie is Stephen King's a businessman he's never going to say well it's not what I would have done but you guys go see it every every adaptation is like it's great you should all go see it because right. he knows it's going to sell more books so privately I'd like to hear the conversation that he's having after every one of his movies releases <laughs> so <laughs> um, but it's again indicative of the problem in Hollywood and big 
budget studio filmmaking, like nobody trusts the material. Nobody trusts the source material. Nobody trusts the story. Nobody trusts the filmmakers. You know, if you think Stephen King focus group, the ending of this book. No, of course he didn't. (laughs) And that's what's so weird. I think he walked through Universal City Walk and asked these degenerate. He didn't post 10 uh, you know, it, it, 10 versions of the ending online. They're like, you guys vote for the one you like the most. And then I'll put that in the book. So no, he trusted his storytelling and gave you an ending. And then that's the ending of the story because it matched the beginning and the middle. So this movie did not do that. But w- which is a shame. I think it gets me angrier because everything else was set up so nicely. And so the mood and the t- and just like there were jump scares and it was creepy and it was a good horror movie up until the fucking end where it just went like what what whose idea was this did it you know was bring your intern to last shot day you know and let them write the final scene bring your intern Shot day. That's a fun day on any it is. film it set. Really is. Every intern prays for that day. Um, so uh, I will go on a rant about it in the Patreon uh, bonus. But yeah, that's. Um, I would say watch this movie, leave 15 minutes early, and then read the end of the book. <laughs> Kim, what did you think of this? I, I mean, I thought it was a, a scary movie. It was creepy. I don't really watch horror films because they do give me nightmares, so I try to avoid them at all costs. So I only watched this because you told me to, Grant. <laughs> I said pick one of them. You have to watch all of them. So if I end up with nightmares, you'll be getting a phone call in the middle of the night. Yeah. I Wait a minute. I and then 20 it. years from now, she's going to have to watch it again to get rid of the nightmares. Yes. Well, I texted her. I said, watch one of these. I don't think that's what it's. I think you said in the text to watch all three of the movies that you sent me. That's okay, well, you give this. I'm going to go on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to me, the, only, the last horror films I had seen, I don't even know if you classify them as horror films, mm-hmm. um, would be like Get Out. Is that a horror yes, film? Yes. Yeah, okay. for sure. <laughs> so I saw Get Out and mm-hmm. I saw Cabin in the Woods. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, well, that's horror comedy, but it's okay, still horror. So my, that was my frame of reference. Since right. I stopped watching these when I was 14 mm-hmm. or 15 years old just mm-hmm. because of the sheer terror. So my reference was were those movies, and I felt like they this were kind of... This was a scary one to jump back into, for sure. Yeah, well, it was definitely creepy, uh, much creepier than, like, those two other movies that I yes. just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But as far as the, um, you know, how ludicrous it might be, um, well, I mean, my frame of reference was so limited to already ludicrous kind of movies. I feel mm-hmm. like that um, I didn't really... It, I didn't notice what you noticed. Mm-hmm. I didn't really notice, like, oh, this is bizarre. I just felt like, oh, okay, this is a scary movie. That's the way this goes. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares, bring them on. And then my cat jumps up on the bed while I'm, you know, at night and looks mm-hmm. at me and you know, I get freaked out. I have pets, so... Mm-hmm. Oh, are they haunted? Um, they might be. You know, I've been looking at them very suspiciously lately. Mm-hmm. So... Was your cat, is the hair all matted? Looks like he was buried? Is well, it- she is getting, you know, she's 15 now. Ah. So she is getting up to that age mm. where I'm going to have to be seeking out a pet cemetery and mm-hmm. seeing if... Have some know. creepy ceremony and have her mm-hmm. come back. Yeah, that's what I would like. <laughs> I mean, ideally. Thursday, 10 4 p.m. Try to see any one of these films. Oh, well, Shazam, anyone. Pet Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> any one of these doesn't clarify to watch only one. It was like, try to watch these films is what I... Any one of these is that's well, a vague... I watched all of them. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for doing your homework. <laughs> no, thank <Kim>. you. <laughs> oh, and one thing I do want to mention too: when they finally got to the pet cemetery, you know, on the top of the hill and these creepy, you know, stone stairs, um, one of the things they really got wrong too was the production design, because all of a sudden. 
you know, you're in New England in these creepy woods and you've got, you know, creepy kids in masks walking around. But then you get to the pet cemetery that's on the top of this mountain uh, or on top of this hill. Uh, you look at it and go, oh, well, this is a set. This is a soundstage. Like, it looks so fake. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, now you've just ruined, like, the rest of this. What, everything looks real and creepy. I'm like, what? You know, again, whose idea was that? That's it only had insane. a $21 million budget. Yeah. So you think they just... I think someone fell asleep when, uh, you know, setting up that uh, set piece. because Maybe that the, was intern. Yeah. Bring your intern to work. It's like, I can't, you know, design this set piece and write the final scene at the same time. I'm not even getting paid. You know, I'm an intern. But And, and the reason I bring it up is because we talked about Dumbo last week. And Dumbo had these sweeping outdoor sets and scenes and then I look in the trivia and it's like everything was shot on a soundstage where like even the outdoor that looks outdoor. So you can make it look really good with visual effects. But I felt like there was kind of like a uh, um, like, well, we kind of were out of money. Just, you know, it's going to have to look like a soundstage, you know, CG and some fog. So <laughs> but so I don't know. Again, Is it one of these things where it's like, <clears throat> would you if you were just like looking for a home to buy with your family and you just saw uh, if I saw one kid in a creepy mask and be like, no, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. Nope. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, oh, we own that property where all this creepy stuff's going on. Yeah. You own the whole thing. Like, oh. <laughs> if I hear Maybe if I not? hear in, Indian burial ground, yeah. I'm out. Like, yeah. what do you there's no what? I hear swamp. Where's yeah. your sense of adventure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, that's weird that this house is vacant with all those great features, you know, behind the house. <laughs> yeah. Why Why wouldn't everyone want to live here? Why weren't people bidding on this yeah. house? Yeah, why was this so, thing on the market? Yeah, so now, um, so the ending didn't bother you? No, I mean, the whole movie okay. bothered me. So. Right? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now, what, um, was there any places where you were just like, without giving any spoilers, like you were just like, covering your eyes or just, you know, you couldn't watch. Because there were a couple times for me, I was like, I did jump in the chair for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything. Yeah. I mean, there was, I don't know how to do this without giving spoilers. <laughs> but anything that looked like blood was going to be in the scene, mm-hmm. I cover my eyes. I can't watch any of that. Right. So anytime, basically any one of the, you know, reincarnated dead things or people came around right. is when I was mm-hmm. like, okay, which is the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. Cover your, eyes. <laughs> Cover your eyes. Just don't watch. And they did a really good job with that, too. That was like, you know, when, as you know from the trailer, then when the daughter comes back, they do some really cool effects with mm-hmm. her. But again, which makes these missteps all the more baffling. Like, you know, the attention to detail was so good on these parts. Then, um, you know, then why do you have a Sid and Marty Croft set for your your uh <laughs> for your pet cemetery <laughs> i'm like i'm like I'm at the top of land of the lost with the, the uh with an obelisk so uh but, but i, I did think know. the acting was really good yeah it was and i did think um you know that the I, I thought the effects or whatever i guess is what it would be called right the makeup or you know it was a mix that's the other thing was good too it was a mix of practical effects and computer effects and mm-hmm. it did a good job putting them together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was creepy i thought it was yeah. creepy so, all right. Creepy three and a qu- horrible ending. Three quarters of a way to a good movie. <laughs> My standards are obviously really low. You know, here I am. I'm like, Shazam was so great and Pet Cemetery was so scary. And you guys are like, these movies <laughs> needed some serious work. I'm just easily entertained, apparently. Well, we're definitely a little more critical after uh, almost a decade of watching movies. We've watched and way about too many Yeah. <laughs> but I will say this. The stuff that we, when it's really good, we appreciate it all that more. Oh, that much more, hmm. too. Speaking of... Uh, Appreciating a film? Uh, Blackway. Oh, yes. Now, this is a uh, on Netflix, so how could this be bad? <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yes. And um, 
uh, what's his name? I was free, why am I blanking on this guy's name? <laughs> what's Julia Stiles is in it. She's oh, very yeah. good. And uh-huh. the bad guy, uh, Blackway, is played by uh, the guy from um, uh, Goodfellas. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. So I see that and I go, wow, maybe this is like one of those little gems that that snuck through. They just didn't get wide sure. distribution for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. There's all these solid actors in it. Ray Liotta yeah. plays the bad guy. He's a great bad guy. Yep. Um, and Anthony Hopkins is like the old timer who's going to stand up for what's right. I'm in, you know? So, so what is Blackway, by the way? Blackway is named Ray, Ray Liotta's character. Mm. And the reason you know that is because they say it 10,000 times. <laughs> they say it so many, literally, the, they literally actually said it, you researched it, yes. 66 times. Yeah. <laughs> so if this was a drinking game, you would be in the ER for alcohol yes. poisoning. <laughs> so more than we've said Shazam or Pet Cemetery combined. Combined, yes. combined. <laughs> it, it's literally like, um, oh, she was, a, she was like attacked or terrorized by... Blackway. Oh, Blackway. And then uh, and then Anthony Hopkins, we got to find Blackway. Who's Blackway? Are you afraid of Blackway? <laughs> oh, don't go up there. That's where Blackway is. So they don't mention him. It's yeah. like Jaws. <laughs> but they don't show him. Mm-hmm. But we hear his goddamn name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 30 minutes in and I was like, I, you know. Boy, if it was Candyman, he would have been there a hundred times. <laughs> it's like they kept saying, And everyone's like, they're like, you're going after Blackway. <laughs> yeah, I got it. You're all, the whole town's scared of him. I got it. And and uh, a friend asked, well, what happens in the end? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I tune this dumb thing out after about 40 mm-hmm. minutes. You're hearing Blackway, Blackway. We're going to go Blackway. <laughs> Blackway's coming. What was this movie even about? Blackway. <laughs> That's what it was about, Kim. So here's what, here's what this movie's about. So uh, Blackway terrorizes Julia Stiles. She's in this small town where... The sheriffs don't do anything about it, and everyone's afraid of going after Blackway. Um, so she tells her story of woe to Anthony Hopkins, who's like some old logger, and for whatever reason, he just goes, I'm going to go make this right. I'm going to help you out, young lady. So wait, wait, why is she being terrorized by this Blackway person? Is this a person? Yeah. Okay. Is this like an ex-husband that's stalking He's just her? a stalky creep. He's okay. just a stalky okay. creep, and... He harasses her. Maybe he assaults her. It's very sort of uh, cryptic, like foggy memory kind of thing, Mm -hmm. the way they do this. Uh, But he's clearly a bad guy. They've Mm -hmm. established this. And everyone in the town is afraid of him. It's some logging town. Was he buried in a pet cemetery at one point? (laughs) I think he was. And they live near Creepy Kid Village. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's the... And and it's like Anthony Hopkins is like, I'm going to go. We're going to go get this guy. And so then it's this lead up to, oh, watch out. And I couldn't, I was, at first I was like, well, I want to see what, how, how creepy is he when they finally meet him? Because they just sort of these shadowy, him like saying, watch out, girly, you know, like little creepy <laughs> stalker guy things. But we never really see him until later in the movie. But at that point, I didn't care. So that's, (laughs) I'm assuming Anthony Hopkins goes and gets him and shoots him and says, Blackway, go away, Blackway. (laughs) He says, you can't kill me, I'm Blackway. Shut up, Blackway. What's your name again? It's Blackway. We heard you, it's too late. You know, like- Final shot is his gravestone and it says just Blackway. Blackway. So I don't know. Yeah, this was a a big misfire. Mm. This seems like the theme of a few movies lately where they don't show the- the whatever it is like mm-hmm. bird box wasn't it like that yep. where they don't mm-hmm. show 
what you're supposed to be afraid of. And there's right. like a few other movies that have kind of come mm-hmm. out with this, trying to play with your imagination a little bit more right. than just showing you what the scary thing is. I think, yeah, and, and, and when done correctly, that can be an effective technique. This was not done correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Ray Liotta was just too expensive. I, you think, know? <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think Ray Liotta read the script and went, just... You got me for two days. You got me for two days. <laughs> so just have him say my name 50 yeah. more times. Yeah. All right. And that'll cover it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Graham, we've got some Patreon sponsors oh, this week. Oh, well, thanks, guys. If you yeah. go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds, we will read your, your addy things. Yes, we'll do uh, one line and a URL. Although, um, you know, sometimes we bend that rule a little bit. Do two lines <laughs> or more. Uh, we've uh, we've uh, uh, grandfathered in a few of the older uh, reads. <laughs> so... Uh, from Will Leonard, his wife Katie Bagwell is once again riding the MS-150, a fundraising ride that is helping fuel progress toward a world free of MS, to ride from Houston to Austin at the end of April. The money raised will help fund amazing progress in MS research. Uh, you can reach her donation page at willthetd.com, W-I-L-L-T-H-E-T-D.com slash C-F-N. If you can, help her achieve her goal. And Johnny Rulon. I just want to say this: Will yeah. is uh, he just emailed me, and I think he was going to come to my. I'm doing doing a show uh, with. I'm doing the progressive comedy with Ron Placone this weekend, and we're going to be in Houston. But I think he emailed me said he's got to work, mm. but he wanted to come by and give me a present. Oh, okay. And I think it's black one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or a pet. Or yes. a pet. Or a haunted pet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here, just bury this on the top of the mountain. It looks like a. I uh, know Kim was still freaked out by the movie <laughs> because. She got here before either one of us mm. and was texting me saying, Graham, no one's here. I think it's haunted. <laughs> 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 it's haunted. It's all your so, fault. <laughs> so Johnny Lurulon's got his novel, Green Cheek, Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon and both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel, which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhardshowproductions.com, happyhardshowproductions.com. And Fanboy Planet, a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check out Fanboy Planet for comic news, movie news, TV news, and amazing interviews with industry insiders and artists. Fanboyplanet.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday, wherever podcasts are found. Check out coffeeoversuicide.com, coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They're recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Listen to it in, with headphones, and you get the full uh, experience. AliceFraser.com, AliceFraser.com with an S. And Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life. New episode with comic author and musician Greg Barrent uh, at theartpodcasts.com. That ought to be a fun interview. S. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Actually, we have to have Greg back on the show. We haven't well, had it has, in a while. Yeah, it's been a while yeah. since we've had Greg on the show. Uh, so, all right. Ready to watch some trailers, Oh, Graham? let's watch some trailers, Chris. Let's watch some trailers. There's a new Joker trailer out, yes. apparently. Uh, it is. Uh, oh, it's, uh, man. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, wow. I can't imagine this being good. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, same thing. Teaser trailer? No, official trailer. Six days ago. Something is not... Are we not hearing sound? Sound is on on the laptop. Yes. 
No, on the actual laptop. Not on the YouTube part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there, there we go. go. Mm-hmm. Good eye, Kim. Mm-hmm. Let's try that. There it is. Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? No. Oh, yeah. Through there the headphones. Mm-hmm. My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. I will say, Joaquin Phoenix plays a great creep. You guys <laughs> told me I had a purpose. To bring laughter you know, Paul Dano's the going, world. fuck, I didn't get this role. <laughs> Michael Shannon. You know, there's, there's a very short, short list for this movie. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Smile. Though your heart is aching, smile. Even though it's breaking. When there are clouds. A bit of retconning the on uh, sky, uh, the origin story. So he works at Arkham. <laughs> now, he's a stand up comic, but what people don't realize is that every heckler, every comic is one heckler away from being the Joker. So we're pretty close here. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that rumor before. Yeah. <laughs> Freak! <laughs> Gotham has lost its way. What kind of coward would do something that cold-blooded? Someone who hides behind a mask. Talking about Batman. I used to think that my life was a tragedy. So Robert De Niro in King of Comedy is it's a uh, comedy. I don't know. I can't. Maybe watching it. If you just okay. You know, I, I'm <sighs> a big fan of Batman. Big fan of the Joker. I always love. Uh, you know, watching them interact, but I don't need to see a standalone origin Joker movie. It's, it's a little it creepy. It just doesn't interest me. <laughs> it's a little creepy. Mm-hmm. It. I don't. Good grammar and spelling Oops. are important. I don't want to listen to these people. But if you want to write essays, um, I think there's a part of me that is interested in this, and I, and I didn't think I was going to say that. <laughs> There's definitely some interesting parts, like, you know, you see, like, a little bit, like, and the reason it's interesting is because of Joaquin Phoenix, because he's, uh, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind, yeah. which is who the Joker is. It mm-hmm. is, you, you are going up against, in my opinion, Heath Ledger's Joker is the greatest interpretation of that right. character that yeah. has ever lived. Yeah. Um, I would argue, too, Mark Hamill in the animated version, uh, <laughs> you know, because he's been doing it for many, many years, but uh, there, there's a lot of people who have come before you to interpret this character. So, the, and that's the thing I wonder is that Joaquin Phoenix, while can do a, lo- a crazy person quite well, <laughs> I don't know that he's got the 
just raw, brutal, violent evil that the Joker that you defines know, the Joker. That psychotic. That uh, psychotic. But, you know, uh, that might not have been in the trailer. Uh, they might be saving that. But at the same time, he's like, you know, I, I get that the Joker's not like muscular and giant by mm-hmm. uh, uh, like Batman or Superman. But, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is tiny. It's a small dude. <laughs> yeah, that was my yeah, one issue, yeah. too. Like... <laughs> Heath Ledger, I mean, he, the way the Joker's always been drawn is he's tall and sort of lanky. Gaunt. Mm-hmm. Gaunt, but he's mm-hmm. not short. Right. That was the Penguins thing. Right. So, <laughs> and that was what Heath Ledger, I think, captured was, you know, Heath Ledger was at least as tall as Christian Bale, if not taller. Right. So, visually, and then he... The Neither way, one a giant. Neither one a giant. <laughs> and then, two, the other thing, in The Dark Knight, the two completely contradictory stories of why he has the scars on his face. Right. Mm-hmm. He was tortured and it drove him insane to where mm-hmm. he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And that was so defining on who his interpretation of the Joker was. So this guy just looks like he had some bullies and a bad mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. Well, it feels like they're, they're pulling out half of the killing joke origin story right. the where it's uh you know he you know you show like the first half of like him becoming the joker how he's a comedian that uh, no one laughs at and you know as the it goes further and further down the spiral from there but you know i don't know i mean it's the kind of thing where you feel like there's always going to be kind of a retcon on the joker origin story they're, they, they're changing a little bit which i don't mind because i think that there's different ways to kind of define how he you know basically lost his mind. So I wonder how much other stuff they are going to pull from Killing Joke and if there are going to be, like, there. obviously there's going to be references to Batman, but will we see him at all? Or will we see anybody else in the movie? Or is it literally just going to be, you know... I, I mean, the, a movie like this, it can only have one trajectory. It is his origin story all the way through. Then towards the end, he'll be in full makeup doing something horrible. And then mm-hmm. that's where the movie's going to end. That's There's nowhere else it can go. Yeah, it's just literally to see what his interpretation of it is. Right. That's that's why you're Did going. you see the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies? Mm-hmm. What did you think of those films? I loved them. Right. Yeah, I loved them. So, I mean, this this trailer here... <laughs> I like here, your response. Right. That's yeah. the correct answer. You can stay. <laughs> um, I mean, this this trailer right here, just it, to me, it, it's really dark. It's very creepy and dark to me. Um, and I don't like you, Chris. I don't know if I need to see an entire Joker origin story unless they're going to try to make me sympathize with him in some way and paint him in a way that makes me think, oh, you know, poor Joker. I mean, otherwise, um, you know, because to me, if you're going to do an origin story on a villain, that's what you would need to do. You need to paint them in a way to where you can sympathize with the villain. Mm-hmm. And, and then you almost want them to be a hero sometimes. I mean, it's got to kind of give you that feeling to where then when you're watching subsequent films where they're facing off with the hero that you're like conflicted even on who you want to win a little bit. Um, Otherwise, I don't know what the point is of doing an origin story, except this to me just feels like it would creep out. Um, Like, I don't know if kids would go see this or... No. Well, the interesting... I mean, you bring up a great point, Kim, and I think this is going back to why I love... Probably going to be an R. I would it, ha- would it looks to, yeah, like yeah. it. it I mean, to. it looks really. But but that's the thing. What's when it's done interestingly is if it does do this of that fork in the road, because a lot of times 
the origin story of a superhero and a villain are very similar. Mm -hmm. They get to this fork in the road and the villain chooses evil and the hero chooses good. And that's the thing that makes me now not that excited to see this movie based on, because I'm now thinking of that scene with Heath Ledger in the uh, police station when he's arrested. And he has that, that he talks to Batman. He's like, don't talk like one of them. You, you, you know, and you kind of show the Batman is like a little bit of a wing nut. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and he's like the whole systems, they'll, they'll throw you under the bus. They'll eat their own or whatever mm. he says, you know. And so it's, and the thing that was also so alluring about that one is it's like they have him arrested. They're like, no fingerprints, no DNA. We don't he know who. Exist. He don't know who this person is. He mm. literally just came out of some horror show mm-hmm. and now he's blowing things up. Right. So I don't know. And putting detonators and cell phones in people's stomachs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, <laughs> which is like crazy sinister. Mm-hmm. Um, have there been have there been a, a rated R movie like this come out? I mean, Deadpool maybe was that rated R? Deadpool was. There, there's been a lot of rated R um, of the superhero, superhero movies? movies for really? sure. Yeah, but they're, they're not they, a lot. They go well. They go under the radar. I mean, if you you can count everything from Deadpool, Darkman, Punisher, Blade. You know, there's actually a little more when sure. you start adding okay. them up. Okay, uh, but those are like ones that I mean, this one in particular. I feel like if you're a fan of the Batman movies, you're going to want to see this, and that's going to be kids, right? I mean, kids are going to want to see. That's where there might be a disconnect for sure. Like, if this is a, a dark R, then uh, you know, kids <laughs> kids can't see this. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't send my. I'm not going to take my ten year old to see it. Yeah, it's I mean, too. It's too. It looks way too dark. But this is the thing that they really pushed. All those Nolan Batman movies were PG thirteen, mm. barely. Yeah, those movies they were hard PG. They were. <laughs> they easily could have been R. I mean, easily. So I, I don't know. You know, you don't turn down the violence, but you take the blood out. That seems they to would be just the, uh, they would mm-hmm. just all this violence, and they would just take like a frame or two of actually seeing the person's neck getting snapped or something, mm-hmm. but you'd hear it or something horrible. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know. It's a, it's. A, I'm going to see this movie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll end up seeing I'm it. I'm going to see this yeah. movie. That's the one thing, uh, you know, even if we're lukewarm on a movie, we're like, you know, well, we're probably still But it, see honestly, it. I'll yeah. see it just because, A, I love the Joker story, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to see how Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix interprets it. Yeah. Right. The only thing I think is he d- misses the charm a little bit. I mm-hmm. didn't feel like he had the same charm that Heath Ledger had. Yeah, he's never going to get Harley Quinn like that. Well, that's the great point, though. That's the thing you bring up, and that's part of, I think, what we're all feeling is slightly, there's something missing, and that mm-hmm. was Heath Ledger was super charming. Yeah. I mean, I w- kind of want to see that part of the story, too, now that, now that I bring it up. Like, you know, Harley Quinn was a his therapist at Arkham, you know, and she she was an actual psychiatrist, and it was the way the Joker got in her head and literally turned her into a, uh, you know, a sociopathic, mm-hmm. you know, um, henchman. So, like, but that would, to me, like, we saw it on the animated show, but I think that would be a really interesting part of, like, the Joker's story. I'd actually like to see that, because it shows how he basically gets in somebody else's head and makes them crazy. Because mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix has never been called charming. No. <laughs> That's what I felt like was really missing from this trailer, was the mm-hmm. charm. That same Heath Ledger charm. That's the, yeah. mm-hmm. that's what's missing. Mm-hmm. He's not big enough and he's not charming. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to see him. Yeah. <laughs> You're obsessed with his size. How big is he in real life? Mm-hmm. He's what? four foot two? Yeah, he's... No. He's, he's a short guy. He's like five four, five five. Really? Yeah, he's a small guy. Oh. So it's like it just doesn't... You guys just ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so now there's... These apple crates have apple crates. <laughs> nice inside reference, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, now, this one is also a um, based on a best-selling novel, and a, um, I think it's a remake, too. So is it official trailer or trailer yes. one? Uh, same thing. All right. Six and one. I thought that was Channing Tatum. Mm. In the that's what it looked like the oh, picture really? yeah but that's not him right no okay. it is Batista David Batista all right here we go skip this ad come on skip it skip it come on YouTube let me skip this ad please don't do that when you watch Political Vigilante yeah <laughs> <laughs> or my show <laughs> all right what's going on here we go can you hear it. Cool. You have to ask. No, but in this case, yes. I just want to break the rules. Oh, the trailer before the trailer. That's a <laughs> horrible trend. Well, there is one thing I'm good at. The mission was to find out what they knew, but that's kind of difficult now that you killed everyone. I just don't think you're cut out for the intelligence. This is your last shot. How's school going? Oh my god. You have jelly all over your face. I'm definitely posting that on Insta. Is it too late to homeschool me? Nothing like a kid's movie that insults kids. How'd you get in here? Okay, she has a camera. She might be streaming. If Kim finds out we got made by a nine-year-old, my career's over. What's the option? Kill her. Make it look like an accident. Yeah, maybe the stairs. Wow, still recording. Now, why would you put from the director of Get Smart? That'd be the first thing that should be removed from the trailer. So what's first? Shooting range, obstacle course? Or to walk away from an explosion? Lie detector test. I can smell a lie. Endorphins release an odor. And the ultimate tell, the slightest blink of an eye. You mean like this? JJ, I admire all of your tattoos. Stop. JJ, I believe you that you've never taken steroids. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> when you look out there, what do you see? 90 civilians, minimal security, soft perimeter. Smiling people having fun. You should try it sometime. See? He's a tough guy, but he's got a heart of gold. He really does. He really needs a kid to <laughs> unlock it. Oh, remember Kindergarten Cop? Yeah. <laughs> the objective of this exercise is to get past me. A good idea might be to cause a distraction, because otherwise there'd be zero chance that you'd be... <gasps> I'm just rough exterior. You're a nice guy. <laughs> what is he doing? This looks like the wedding at the end of Shrek. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not gonna watch that movie. No, I have kids and I'm not gonna watch that movie. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm gonna see the Joker. I, I think. <laughs> I don't know, like, every couple of years, an action star, you know, has to do a kid's movie with the exact same plot of every other action star with a kid's movie uh, on the planet. Like, you, you've had Kindergarten Cop was a great example. The Pacifier. Like, Vin Diesel's like, all right, I did mine. I'm not doing another one. The Rock then, had to do one. Yeah. Didn't have to do... Jackie Chan did one, which actually was almost watchable. It was called The Spy Next Door. And, uh, and now this one, I'm thinking, God, they, you know, th these poor actors, like... Guardians of the Galaxy are coming off of these great, you know, big yeah, movies. Yeah, Bautista should movies. get his yeah. own movie. Yeah, and even, like, great, um, you know, a great little role in Blade Runner, too, like uh -huh. Bautista. So, 
Like, you know, Hollywood, this is what Hollywood's offering. This is ridiculous. Like, no, there's so much more he could be doing. Even like a traditional action movie would be better. We could see him in something cool. But this is like, what, what are you, what are you doing? Stop. But she's gonna, Stop. she's gonna melt his, yeah, his he's gonna melt his, his, exterior, his, his big buddy. CIA heart. Yeah. Maybe yeah. this is their way of introducing these action stars to younger audiences, get them hooked young. And then that way the action star can stay relevant as yeah, for the next older. 20 years. Right. <laughs> well, that would be so insidiously genius. I would buy that. <laughs> that. That I'm on board with. So, all right. We have on DVD and Blu-ray, Holmes and Watson. I didn't see this movie. I don't need to see it to know that it's one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> so, um, I, it was really, really it's funny. It's a buddy cop movie? No, it's, uh, isn't that weird? Um, I just hope that they're back to back in the movie poster. Yeah. <laughs> they had to have been. Um, but I, it, it's when a movie is that bad, then it's just entertaining to read the reviews. Like, uh, you know, you can just search Holmes and Watson reviews and it's some really funny shit. Um, uh, Mirai, this is the animated movie that was nominated for an Academy Award. There's always one animated movie that you could never find. It's in one art house theater for a week that you've already missed. So I'm really excited to see this movie. All and right. uh, um, it's about... Um, a a kid who's getting a sibling but doesn't want the sibling because he knows that all the attention will go to the sibling, but then actually meets her um, as she's older. So it kind of like time jumps and time travels and then learns to like her as she's actually older. So it's got a real cool kind of uh, heart to it. So I'm anxious to see it. I want to see it. And then um, Welcome to Marwin. This is the I Steve mi- Carell movie. Yeah, I missed this when it came Nobody up. saw. It was trying to get some Oscar buzz. Yeah, Did you see this, kid? Yeah. No. And, yeah, uh, and, I don't know and, anyone that saw it. And every review I read about it um, started off basically with a sigh of like, ah, oh, this could have been such a good movie. <laughs> and it's like it's one of those that it just it didn't come together. And it's based on a true story, too. It's just a mess. It's but, got a really good trailer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, apparently there is a documentary about this guy that is a, is much more watchable. Okay. So you wonder, too, like, how could you get it so wrong where there is so much reference material to actually look at? So A Dog's Way Home, again... It's you know it's porn for dog lovers. If you really uh, if you um, you want the dog to come home, he'll come home. <laughs> You're a dog owner. alive. I want them yeah, to come yeah. home alive. <laughs> You're a dog owner, Kim. Did you rush yeah. out to see this movie? No, but I would I would watch and I like pet movies as long mm-hmm. as they're not Pet Cemetery. Right. <laughs> so just no haunted pets. No, right. no haunted pets. Mm-hmm. But I like. I'd pet like movies. to see David Bautista and a talking dog. That's that would have been think. better. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know that's in development somewhere, I like hope. a Turner and Hooch remake, oh, something like yes. that. Oh yes, yeah. Oh my god, um, CIA op dog. Yep. So and the site spotlight, the fan feedback, the uh, Patreon. Like we said, we redid the page, we redid the tiers. Uh, guys, you want to jump in at the five or ten dollar tier? Also, we have a two dollar one. Got the you loot know. crate level. Yeah, we got the loot crate one, which is really cool. And like, even if that's something you want to do. Because um, it's a little more, it's twenty five dollars a month. It's uh, you know for a couple of months, we'll still send you the loot crate. All you have to do is do it for uh, two months, and we'll send it out to you. It's a hundred dollars worth of stuff, so it's twenty five dollars a month. Um, so you can game the system if you really want. You can do it for two months, get your loot crate, and then be done. But that's kind of the same as like you know just kind of going to a, like a donation page and you know doing a one time donation. So we're totally yeah. okay with you gaming this. Yeah, week. we we're totally okay with you coming in for a couple months and then uh, bailing. That's totally fine. Uh, uh, and premiering this week, we have Hellboy, the remake. I, you know, 
You I liked really, the original. I did. I like both of the the movies. It's because Guillermo del Toro. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a huge. I've read every Hellboy comic. Ron I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, good. I I go see Mike Mignola, the creator, at Comic Con every year. I go to his booth, buy a hat or a shirt. Um, so, um, I'm watching this trailer, and it looks like really crazy and nutty, and it looks fun, but. I'm still not completely sold on David Harbour as Hellboy, but and again, it's because of the trailers. Like you're like you're looking at these weird moments, and it may not be gun to your what, head, yeah. Joker or Hellboy. A Hellboy. Real, yeah. real, you didn't even bat an yeah, eye. I didn't, you didn't even, even skip. I know Hellboy. Yeah, All right. for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and the next one is Missing Link. Now, this is a kids' movie about you know somebody finding a Sasquatch and then bringing it back to society. Um, here's the thing about this movie. Are it's, you being serious? It, is that no? That it really is. It's a. You know, it's, it's an animated. It's a kids. It's a kids movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Your reaction is yeah. fantastic. Does she but, like bring the kid the Sasquatch yeah. to school? Yeah. <laughs> is it David uh, Bautista? Sounds fascinating. So, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's one of those movies. I know it's not going to do well, but here's the thing about this movie. It's made by the same studio that did. Um, Coraline and Kubo and the Two Strings and you know the you know the Travis Knight who it's his mm-hmm. studio who did you know Bumblebee so I really feel like this is the kind of movie that um, is actually going to be good that no one is going to see because it like it's not crazy kinetic and you know bright like a lot of kids movies but it's not dark or creepy which also brings in kids it just seems like it's right right in the middle where well it's just a friendly monster who gets on a train so <laughs> there's not like a lot you know to really draw kids in um especially in the trailer but i really feel like it'll be especially like the ardman studios stop motion animations like wallace and gromit and all those where they're cool fun quirky movies but no one sees them it's that it's like almost like uh you really have to be like a an animation junkie like it's like an animation festival movie like you know you got all the animation nerds would go see it but uh you know i don't think this is gonna excite the minds of children to go see for sure but it's something i will well, eventually see really DVD. Like <laughs> it's something because i like the studio i like you know most of the movies that they've done i'll definitely check it out at some point not this weekend oh i didn't know that all right so um so i think there's going to be stuff to like in that movie but i don't think it's going to do well just because of the way it's marketed and also because it's uh you know again the trailer like it's it just it shows like you know, this weird milk toast middle of the road, like, you know, that kind of like Madagascar nonsense of like an animation. Like, Madagascar uh, yeah. nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Give it the so, old Madagascar yeah. nonsense. So, but you know, it's again, stop motion. It's, it's, it'll be worth seeing I love at Kubo. some point. Yeah, I love, it's one of my favorite animated movies. I love that movie. And Coraline was amazing. So, you know, I, I trust the studio, so I will definitely see it at some point. That's our show, guys. Episode 462, Lock It Down. Kim, where can people find you online? Where can they watch your show? Uh, Just KimIversonShow.com will take you to my YouTube page. You can check it out. Get angry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you like my, uh, you know, left-leaning insanity with slightly better lighting, um, (laughs) watch the Kim Iverson Show. (laughs) And you can see also uh, last week's, I think they just dropped it couple days ago or whatever the uh, episode of aggressive progressives with me you and ron placone yeah yeah i think so i watched it on tv the other day on youtube tv youtube tv so check that out um progressive comedy tour this weekend we're coming to texas april 12th through the 15th ron placone and i are going to be in fort worth uh houston san antonio and austin also political vigilante live at the sycamore tavern in hollywood april 18th Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and of course, uh, my show, Political Vigilante, and everything, all my tour dates at uh, GrahamElwood.com. And uh, check out uh, my other podcast, too, Conversations from the Abyss, the Twilight Zone scripted podcast. The latest episode has Janet Varney and Annie Savage from Thrilling Adventure Hour about a woman who can't make her own decisions and decides to let something else make them for her. And all uh, 15-minute, quick, little uh, creepy episodes, and there's two more to drop, and then the season will be done. So check it out. You can subscribe anywhere you like conversations from the abyss all right that's episode 462 halfway to 924 guys we'll get there we're very excited <laughs> uh we want to thank our guest kim iverson for being on the show yeah, thanks for having me thank you aaron brungard uh on the atc ones and twos my name is graham elwood and i'm chris mancini and as always remember han, han shot, shot first. first black way pet cemetery rant go <laughs>